Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, we want to pray that may your word today bring healing. May your word today bring peace in our hearts, O oh God. May your word today guide us and lead us today. We honor you, we love you, and worship you today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. This month we've been looking at missions. This month. And uh, in case you're not sure, we're going to talk about partnering. Um, it's a time to show that uh, we are partnering with Christ. You're working together. As, as, as friends, we're working together as a team with Christ to fulfill the vision and the mission that Christ has given us. Um, we had our missions elder, Steve, over there. Thanks, Steve, <laughs> sharing with us at the beginning of uh, this month. And uh, uh, last weekend, we had Mother's Day. And uh, thanks, Haley, for sharing your testimony. Thank you so much, and uh, Brendan, for being the there to support you and your the family. Um, and I know Linda had put a lot of work and unfortunately she wasn't to come, but Linda here today. Welcome, Linda and uh, Ian. <laughs> Thank you so much for last weekend. And today we want to look at the conditions of discipleship. You know, in our society today, there are many people who want to be disciples. There are many people who want to partner with Christ, whether it's through giving, through serving, through building churches, laying foundations. But many people don't want to follow the conditions that have been laid down to fulfill that. But I want to tell you that Christ has a purpose and a vision. Christ has a mission to fulfill. Christ has work that has to be done. And Christ wants me and you and I to partner with him in this mission. But he wants us to work with the condition that he has put into place. You can be anointed. And the angels surround your home every weekend. You can sing until everybody wants to listen and sit down to and worship with you. You can be the best speaker in the world. But if you don't follow the conditions that have been laid by Christ, the master of this project, your work is in vain. You can even sit and speak to millions of people and those people surrender their lives to Christ. You can even prophesy and bring healing but if you don't follow the conditions, the instructions and the process that have been laid by the master himself, your work will be in vain. So today I want us to check and look at some of the conditions and ask ourselves, am I walking in that direction or do I need to do something? Can I up Jerry? My remote is not responding this morning. Um... I'm not promoting here T.D. Jakes Ministries today, but I saw this quote somewhere and I was looking at it and I said, I have to share this quote today. He says that God will not build it for you. God will not build it for you. And he goes ahead to say that God gives you an opportunity and what you do with that opportunity is a gift for him. God do not give you a chair or a table. 
but he gives you a tree. So stop praying for a table or a chair. Pray for a tree. And I thought that was quite interesting. Because most of us, we are praying for we're praying for a chair. You're praying for a tree. But we are praying for a table. But God gives you a tree to think. Because when a carpenter looks at a tree, they see the table. They see a chair. They see the tool. My mom used clay to make different items, pots and other traditional flower vessels and stuff. And I remember growing up, it was like a dirty business as kids and we just hated to to touch clay. But if you look at some of the things my mother would do, they're so beautiful. So whenever my mom would see that soil, she would see a pot, she would see something interesting. And the same thing with carpenters. They're looking at a tree and they're wondering, this can actually make a beautiful door. This can make a lovely bench. And sometimes I ask myself, how many of us actually look at a tree and think of, A chair. You know, for some of us to look at a tree and you're thinking of firewood. That's that's the most you can think about. It's true. (laughs) You're looking at a tree and like this, this can make wonderful firewood. I just want to encourage today that God, God has given us, it's here, the brain. God has given us the brain. God has given us a vision. God has given us the instructions. God has given us the conditions. He's saying, what are you waiting for? What are you doing? So today, as we look at this, I want to think about when you see the things that God has created, when you look at the people, when you look at the environment where you sit, what do you see in your mind? God can work alone, but has chosen to work with us. God gives us a vision. But many times he wants us to figure out how we will get there. Because for many of us, if we know how tough and dangerous it will take us to get there, we'd rather say no. There are many people today, Many people today, they can admire your life. They can admire where you are. But if you take them through the process, the conditions you walk through, they won't take your life. Some people look at your marriage, how successful your marriage is looking. Some people look at how your business is so successful, how your career is so successful. But if you take them back to walk the journey, to go through the conditions that you walk through, they'll not take your life or your career. You know, look at somebody like Brandon. You look up there. You know, sometimes I admire you, Brandon. Sometimes the stuff you do, I'm like, wow. But I don't know. I don't know your journey. I don't know the challenges you've walked through. I don't know the, the conditions you've gone through to be able to sit there. And sometimes when, when the cold is, is, is beating some of us or the heat is 40 degrees, Brandon is sitting on top of the roof to make that beautiful building they're looking at and enjoy. Think of Joseph. Joseph saw 11 stars bowing down and the sun and the moon And probably those two things could represent the mother and the father.
And probably the eleventh referred suddenly to his brothers. And you see, this is, this is the kind of things God can give any of us. He gives this young man, Joseph, the picture. He gives him the vision. He gives him this image that his family is appearing before him. But I can tell you, if Joseph knew that this would involve him being thrown in a pit, sold as slavery, and probably he would have said, no, I don't want to work in Egypt. I don't want. And today, I want to encourage somebody that the the, the, the vision God has given you, the desire that God has given you, God is inviting you to work out the process and get to do it and fulfill that mission. Be like a carpenter. When you're looking at that tree, you can see something and do something about that tree. I like the work teachers are doing and uh, and I know Mr. Lanz and his team at the school. I mean, you guys are doing fantastic work at the school. Because sometimes as a teacher, when you look at this tiny, tiny toddler learning how to even to draw numbers five, you don't give up on these young people because you know one day this young person will become a doctor. One day this young person will become a surgeon. One day this person will become a musician. One day this person is going to become a preacher. One day this person will become an architect. You don't give up. I've said many times here, I used to struggle to write even an S. And the teacher will try and even hold my hand like, you know, you know, you, 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 you're squashing yourself to try and force an S, but it's not even working. But the teacher never gave up on me. They never gave up on me. Because they could see something in me that I can't even see myself. And that's what God is doing with many of us. God is even trying to, to push some of us to, to do something, but we can't see it. And God is inviting for a place, he's saying, I'm giving you this picture. I'm giving you this vision. I'm giving you this desire. And I've given you the brain. I've given you the eyes. I've given you the ears. I've given you the feet to do something. I like King Solomon. And sometimes I ask myself, if I were King Solomon and had a chance to see God face to face and God is asking me, Fred, what can I do for you? I'd be saying, you know what? I'm struggling to pay my mortgage. I've been wanting to buy another car, but I can't. But this man, he says, give me wisdom and knowledge that I may lead these people for who is able to govern this great people of yours. Just give me wisdom. It's what I need. And like I've said, for many of us, you and I, You've been praying for a chair. You've been praying for a table. You've been praying for whatever that is a product itself. And God is saying, I've given you the tree. Think for yourself. A friend of mine told me one day that don't pray for financial freedom. Pray for financial security. Because financial freedom is when you can give without thinking about what is left in the wallet. And financial security is when you know how much in the wallet. 
and you don't want to touch it because you know that I have 10,000 in this wallet and I don't want to touch it. That's security. You know, there's something. But freedom is when you touch your wallet and when you're saying we want to give for Myanmar, you jump in and grab money and you give. When you hear somebody's going to Nijar and they need some money to go to Nijar, you just do. That's what I call financial freedom. Solomon prayed for wisdom and knowledge because Solomon knew that if I have wisdom and knowledge, anything that I can do, I can do it. I can make for you the biggest temple in the world, decorate with gold and painted in anything that I need to be painted because I have the knowledge and wisdom to do it. And today, as church, we even have the Holy Spirit. Live alone the knowledge, live alone the wisdom, live alone. We have even the Holy Spirit to work with us. But we are praying for the chair. We are praying for the table. We are praying for the In Matthew chapter 10, verses 1 and 2, Jesus bestows upon his 12 disciples the delegated power that he himself possessed, that is, the authority. To advance the Masonic kingdom through healing, through healing. And Jesus was a master of partnership. He embraced teamwork. And God brings vision and, and invites us to work with him. If you look at this book in Matthew chapter 10 verse 1 and 2, you can see clearly where the mission started, that Christ himself has these 12 people. He's walked with them. He's telling them today, I'm appointing you. I'm giving you authority that I have. I'm giving you the power to go and do the ministry out there. And I was reading this, I was looking at the next part of it. The next one, Jerry. I was looking at the next part where they are given instructions not even to carry shoes, not to carry anything. And I was asking God, honestly, honestly, not to carry anything. That's tough. He says from verse 5 to 15, this is just my summary, not the Bible, it's the, the verses itself. Jesus instructs his disciples concerning the scope of their mission. The substance of the, their message and how they're going to do it. The works they are to perform. The equipment they are to take and the procedures to follow. And the mission of this twelve foreshadowed the ongoing mission of the church today, which would extend beyond the house of Israel. Remember, these twelve people, the only commission to reach out to Israel, to Jerusalem, to the Jewish community. But Christ knew that if I form, if I form partnership with these people, because the vision he had given them, the mission was there. He said, if I can partner with these people, if I can work together with this group, they'll do what Acts chapter 1 verse 8 is talking about, reaching out to other communities. 
my message today that this mission had conditions that were to be followed by the team. And today we are going to focus on verse 37 and 39 as we discuss these conditions. Verse 37, that anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. I don't know how many of us, you know, you read those words and you're asking yourself. Because I'm always passionate about my mother. <laughs> you know. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds a life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. I was listening to another young man He's in those classes where they call celebrities. We call it in, in our slang, celeb. Because those people, he's, he's well educated, drives a nice car, and he is single. And there are these two ladies who were interviewing this young man and they were asking him, How are you? And it's like, I'm good. Are you single and searching or you're just single? That was one of the questions. He said, I'm single, but I'm not searching. It's like, wow, you have everything. You have a nice car. You have a nice home. You know, nice career. What's happening? I can see Jason is smiling. Jason, I'm not talking about you today. <laughs> Close your eyes and your ears. <laughs> and he said, you know, I was engaged before for 10 years and I broke up with my girlfriend. And when I asked my girlfriend why, she told me that she's finding herself. She's trying to find herself. So this young man said, even me, I'm trying to find myself. <laughs> and he said, you know, I don't, I'm trying to find myself. Maybe because my girlfriend always told me that I don't understand you. So maybe I realized that since my girlfriend did not understand me, so maybe I need to find myself. But I was reading the scripture here. It's very, very particular that whoever finds their life will lose it. Because sometimes you find yourself in the wrong way. You know, for many people, finding yourself is feeling like life is up there. That when the least 100 successful people in Kerang, you're among the 100 people. Most successful people in Kerang, you find yourself among the top 10. That is finding yourself. For many people. Probably my friend Tim here will come number five. Tim and Brooke. You found yourself. <laughs> you know? It could be. I'm just... <laughs> what I'm saying is that sometimes we find ourselves in the wrong way because the things that define us, that's not the things that define God. These people have been asked to go and preach, to go and reach out and carry nothing. No shoes, no change of clothes, nothing, no bags, no luggages. I'm wondering even the toothpaste. How do you even talk to people? So it's not about the things that define you. Because the things that define us, 
whether it's your bank account, your car, your house, and the things that define us, those things are very temporary. They'll come to an end. It may be a good, it may be successful, it may be for now, but tomorrow, tomorrow somebody else will be enjoying them. Life, sometimes it's unforgiving. Life can be unforgiving. When your children are fighting for your real estate and yourself, sometimes you're, you're, you're somewhere you can't even speak for yourself. You're, you're probably 120 years old. The most you can do is just to eat and wait for tomorrow. And your children are fighting for the same things that defined you. The car that, the car that made who you are you can't even drive it yourself because your license, your driving license has been withdrawn by Vic Roads. What am I saying today? That our role and our, we are so important in Christ that when we find ourselves in Christ, it's so important that we find ourselves because sometimes when you find yourself, it's because of the friends and the things that people see in us that are the ones that define us. Let me give you the first condition there. The first condition that Christ is giving his team is loyalty. And I was looking at uh, the dictionary, according to Oxford Learner's Dictionary. Loyalty, the quality of being constant in your support of somebody, something. If it's a relationship, loyalty should be a commitment to respect, support, and protect the other persons in a relationship. And I can tell you that many times when young people come together, a boy and a girl, and they join a married relationship, one of the greatest challenge is this. Because the family the parents of this girl or the parents of this boy, they still want their loyalty. I remember on our wedding day, I was watching the video and I saw my dad was crying. And I asked my dad, why were you crying? He said that we just didn't want to lose you. I said, I'm still here. He said, we know. Because the loyalty changes. But I can tell you that a lot of marriages today, they're struggling because of this issue. Because the families and friends that still want the same loyalty. But also your partner, your wife, your husband, your spouse, they want the same loyalty. And you find there's conflict. You find there's fighting. Your parents are saying you're never, you're no longer the same person. Oh, Nancy, the little girl I know, you're no longer the same. You don't ring me every day, they used to ring me. What happened? You don't visit me, no longer come for Christmas parties. <laughs> the royalty has shifted to somebody else. Um, what am I saying today? This is the reality of life. And parents with children will tell you, if you're not sure, talk to some of the younger parents here, Steve and uh, Kirstia here can tell you, loyalty can shift because younger ones come in. Oh, I was looking for you the other side. <laughs> you see where she's seated? With little Liam. Steve is not on the other side. Loyalty. You can, you can look at it in a negative way or in a positive way. But things change. It's true. When children come, 
The mother's love is holding the baby. But I can tell you, men, sometimes we struggle. When you're coming home, the baby is now the, the love of the house. Let me tell you, men, those of us who are still young men here, you know what the best thing you can do is take over the baby. Deal with the baby. You won't lose your loyalty at home. It's true. When the baby wakes up, you grab the baby first. Be the one to take up the baby. When the baby's waking up at night, wake up and jump up. Grab the baby. But if you sleep, if you come home and you're tired, things won't be the same. This changes slowly. This tiny little one becomes the dolly of the home. They even call names like, sweetie, honey, what I can't do for you. You know, have you, have you had moms talk to their kids? Sometimes men are just feeling, you know, you know. Honey, what can I do for you? You know? I'm like, you're thinking he's, she's talking to the husband, and she's just talking to the little one in the house. <laughs> they are communicating. <laughs> what I'm saying is this thing can change. They can After warning his disciples about the potential the gospel has for conflict, Jesus reminds them of their need for loyalty. Jesus tells them that anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And some people are asking, what? I love my children so much. I love my parents. Now, this guy has just come. He's telling me, if you love your parents so much, then you, you have no business with you. Jesus is not calling us to hate our family members. Please. Christ knows that we love our families. Christ knows that you love your spouse. Christ knows that you love your children. Christ knows that you love your family. Parents, because the scripture is clear in, in its command for us to honor our father and mother. Scripture also makes it clear we should love our spouses. So it's in the Bible, and Christ knows that. But Jesus wants to be the priority. You can see love. Other couples, when you get married, you can still love your parents the same way, with a different kind of love, but also you can love your spouse with a different kind of love. We can juggle. You can balance that. And that's why Christ emphasizes these two things. Things that are too precious to us, our family, and our own life. He says, being royal to Christ helps us to build mutual feelings together more openly. Mr. Jerry? Lots of us who have aging or ailing parents or children, think about how we devote ourselves to seeing that they are cared and looked after well. We invest our valuable time and resources in them daily. We put our heart and soul into caring these people. Next one, Jerry. Like I said, Jesus is not asking any of us to abandon love and care for this family. What Jesus is asking and calling us for here that we put the same energy and care into a relationship with him. He's saying, you know, if you can care for your kids that much, 
Even call them sweetie, honey, your little ones. If you can care for your parents that level. You shop for them, you take them out for Christmas, you do things for them even if they're living far away. He says we can put the same energy in our relationship with him. We can. You can still remain royal to your family and offer the same love, but still remain royal to Christ and offer even more love than what you're offering to that family. A friend of mine told me that if Christ is not number one in your life, if Christ is not number one, he's not Christ in your life. Because Christ cannot be part of the the things to do on your list. Like, okay, I'll do this, do this, do this. Christ cannot be part of that. Christ is Christ. He wants to be overall the Lord of these things. The second condition that's telling them is saying, pick up your cross and follow me. He says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds their life will not lose it, will lose it. And whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. But I think the point there is pick up the cross and follow me. You know, many years after crucifixion of Jesus, the church, the church now views the cross as a cherished symbol of atonement, forgiveness, grace, and love. I see people hang them on their ears. I see people hang them like a necklace. I see people hang them at home. Because we cherish them. The symbols of love, atonement, forgiveness, grace. But those days, the cross, the Romans are talking about those days. The Romans forced the convicted criminals to carry their own crosses to the place of crucifixion. Bearing cross, a cross meant one was about to die and that one would face ridicule and disgrace along the way. So cross was not something for fame. A cross was a curse. A cross was something you don't want your family to associate with it. A cross was something ugly. And Christ is saying, pick up your cross and follow me. In the times when we are vulnerable, things that expose us, things that make us look foolish. You know, Christ saying, pick up your cross and follow me. Pick up your cross and follow me. Are there things that we are ashamed of when you hear about Christ? When you want to follow? You know, the condition by Christ, take up your cross and follow me, is a call to self-humbling and self-sacrifice. One must be willing to die in order to follow Christ. Dying to self is an absolute surrender to God. So my friend, Jason, if you're still finding yourself, remember you have to die for <laughs> fast. <laughs> so I'm talking about Jason because he's my friend. <laughs> uh, it's good to find yourself and have what you think defines you 
But Christ saying, unless you, that self dies first, you won't have me. I remember I was sharing here sometime back where I met a young man and he brought to my office a young lady who I knew for a marriage interview. And then after the interview, the young man told the lady that I'm not ready. And I asked the young man, Why, what do you mean that you're not ready? He said, I was planning to buy a car and buy a home and finish my master's degree. He brought a list of things that he wanted to finish first to marry this lady. So when this young man left the office, this lady came back to see me. And she told me she was disappointed with that young man. She told me, I don't want to see him again. And I asked this young lady why. She told me that I'm not marrying him because of the car, the house, and the things. I was marrying this young man because I love him. But it looks like he's still finding himself. Let him go find himself. If he finds me, that's okay. But if he doesn't find me, that's fine. The relationship ended there. So Christ is saying, unless you die to self, the things that give you passion, the things that define us, the things that make us in the society, people give you a million likes on Facebook and YouTube. You know, sometimes Facebook can make us feel like we have nothing. One day I made a joke, uh, and <laughs> she can tell you, I picked a beautiful home, and uh, we're just thinking of buying a house, you know, like God, and then we said, by faith, I said, God, I'm putting this house on my Facebook by faith, and so many people rang me, you mean you, that's your home, you know, people are shocked, I was just joking. What I'm saying is that the society is messed up because the things that people think that define us in society are different. Somebody is saying amen to that. I saw someone saying that unless your phone has three for eyes, you don't have a phone. When the iPhone, I think it's 12, whatever came about, you, you, you know, because, and, and they were making jokes, so saying if your phone does not have three or four eyes on it, you don't have a phone. <laughs> I don't know how many eyes on your phone. but <laughs> So, my encouragement today, and my message today, that Christ wants us to depend on him. He wants us to be our everything. He wants us to look at the things that define us here to be just for this world, to be temporary. Jesse, Jerry, sorry. The last thing I want to share with us as I come to finish is self-denial. He says, do not get I just go back to 9 and 11. I think that was started. And then we come back to 39. He says, do not get any gold or silver or copper or take with you in your bills. No bag for the journey or extra shirt or sandals or stuff. For the worker is worthy his keep. Don't carry anything when you go for this mission. Next one. He continued to say, whatever town or village you enter, search there for some worthy person and stay at their house until you leave. Whoever finds their life will lose it and whoever loses their life for my sake, will find it. 
other things that define us yet hinder our relationship with Christ. For some of us, the greatest cause of self-denial is not necessarily the loss of private pleasures, but the loss of public reputation and relationships. I have realized that sometimes the things that come in between, they're not necessarily things of pleasure. Sometimes your work can become, you can become so busy that it becomes in the way of your relationship and service to Christ. Even your own relationships, it can come in the way of your service to Christ. And I think it's a time for us to ask ourselves, are there things that define us? Are there things that bring meaning and purpose to us that stand in the way between me and Christ and his mission? Because if you are not available, Christ will not partner with you. If you are busy, his mission will not wait for you and I. And these guys are not even asked to make excuses. I remember one guy asked to go and bury his dad. Can I go and bury my dad and come back? He said, you know what? I don't repeat the same words because sometimes it can sound to be a bit tough for somebody who just lost their dad. That's how much he values his priority. That I'm the resurrection. If your dad is dead, I can speak a word of healing and get him back to life. If that's what he wants me to do. That you mean you value your dead father. And I'm not just being ignorant. You know, I'm just like looking at what he's saying here. Like, if you really value your father that way, what about me? The true discipleship understands that before God, we have no rights except the right to be eternally separated from him for rebellion. We have no merit before him, no matter how good we look to ourselves and to those around us. Knowing that he deserves nothing, the true disciple denies himself everything that impacts Pairs him from becoming more like Christ and embraces anything that makes him like his beloved Savior. And sometimes the burdens we carry can become a hindrance to a ministry. Jesus said that, Come to me, all you are weary. And burdens, burdened. And I'll give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you'll find rest for your soul. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, it comes a time we have to make a choice. We have to choose between our burdens and the yoke. He's saying, better choose my yoke because my yoke is light. That when the life becomes hard, when the challenges are there, I'm, I'm, I'm happy to walk with you. I'm happy to journey with you if you join into my yoke. But you can choose to carry your burdens. It's going to be heavy. It's a choice you have to make. Jesus wants us to recognize and respect the personal dis- discipleship and commitment to him can result in division and rejection. 
And my prayer today, that as we live here today, you're going to take a mirror, including myself, and ask myself, am I loyal? Do I carry my cross each and every time to be able to follow him? Do I deny myself every time? He finishes with these words in 40 and 42 that anyone who welcomes you welcomes me. Anyone who welcomes me welcomes the one who sent me. Whoever welcomes a prophet as a prophet will receive a prophet's reward. And whoever welcomes a righteous person as a righteous person will receive a righteous person's reward. And if anyone gives even a cup of cold water to one of these little ones, who is my disciple, truly I tell you, that person will certainly not lose their reward. I want to invite the worship team to come back. And as the worship team comes back, I want you to stand on your feet and ask yourself, does those conditions sound real for you? Are they a hindrance to your journey? Are the things that you do and the things that bring meaning to you stand in the way of this relationship and partnership? Does, whether it's family, work, other things that come, do they remove you so much from Christ and yet you want to be with him to do the ministry or to serve? Let's stand on our feet as I pray. Father, thank you. Lord, we thank you this morning because many times we are busy. We are not available. And today, I pray, God, that may you help us. That instead of finding ourselves, we find you. Because it's only you we find our meaning and purpose. I want to pray that as a family, as your children, that God, may you help us. Thank you, Jesus, for your love, for your faithfulness, God. Hallelujah, Jesus.